0: Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about loving life after loss. I'm delighted to welcome special guest, Marie Alessi. Marie is a mother of two boys, a best-selling author, influencer, and speaker. She is also the founder of a global movement to help people love their life again after experiencing loss. You can reach Marie at her website, mariealessi.com, or join her private Facebook group, loving life after loss. And I'll include those links in the description. Welcome Marie. I'm so glad that you could join with me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Linda. I was really looking forward to this.
0: I have been too. And I checked out your website and I watched your video and I read your story about you and Rob and about what you are doing. And I think everything about it is, is just beautiful and amazing. Would you be willing to share your story?
1: absolutely and thank you so much for this lovely intro i feel humbled already just to be here um share my story i i always struggle doing that in a nutshell because there's so much to tell but i will do my best to to keep it short and then you can ask me whatever you want linda um yeah i am originally from austria i moved to australia in 2004 and only short 10 months later i met rob it was just one of those meant to be stories you know absolute happy love story and um yeah another 10 months later we got married i would have never ever believed if somebody would have told me oh you're moving to the other side of the world and then you meet the man of you dream and 10 months later you're married i'm like uh, 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 uh. you know like um if he's mr right he'll still be mr right in three to five years i'm not going to rush anything and when rob proposed so it was like of course there's no questions you know um yeah so we we really were that couple everybody just like oh my god you are and rob you know you're just you that dream couple and We had our dream life, our dream wedding, our uh, uh, dream children. I can't leave the dream out for the children. They'll be upset if they (laughs) (laughs) they ever listen to this. And Where was the dream when you mentioned us? So, yeah, we had two boys, um, Flynn and Jet, and our life was pretty cruisy and filled with lots of love and lots of beach time and family time. Rob loved the water. He was an Aquarius, so he loved diving, spearfishing, surfing, everything. And uh, one day he went... On a business trip to the other side of Australia and never came home so that's really the nutshell version of a very uh intense phone call that I was told your husband deceased in a hotel room this morning and I was like yeah that's that's basically yeah the intro I'm not really sure where you would like me to take this and how much more you would like to know from the beginning middle or end so I I hand this back to you really
0: thank you and he passed away, was it a brain aneurysm, was that?
1: Yes, that's it was I... very sudden. There was no pre-warning whatsoever. He always had regular health checks, you know, there was nothing. Um, he had, I remember he had uh, quite intense headaches before he left, but he had a really bad head cold, so nobody thought anything of it. And even in hindsight, the doctor said, look, it's nothing that could have picked that up. Not even knowing that now, there's nothing that could have prevented that. It was really incredible. Yeah,
0: that's actually kind of helpful to hear, because then you don't have it regrets. Was. And how old were they? Were the yeah. children at that time?
1: Uh, Flynn was ten, and Jack was eight, so quite young.
0: Wow! And yeah. then everything changed in one phone call. Yeah,
1: everything Absolutely. changed. Absolutely. I I still remember. I often refer to this moment, like you know, imagine. Um, I'm showing my age here, but your favorite song playing on a record player, and all of a sudden the needle scratches all over it, and it's silent. You know, that's what it felt like. It, it really felt like uh, the whole world stood still when I got this phone call because this is this was so unexpected. You know, Rob was supposed to come home on Friday, and that phone call happened on Tuesday, and then we flew across the country to identify his body, and we came back on the plane that he was supposed to come home on, which was really very bizarre. Know, our entire world had changed in those few days um yeah so
0: so when your whole world turns upside down in a phone call how do you pick up the pieces because that's what you are yeah. doing is helping people pick up the pieces so it's not just yeah. let's let's survive let's be able to carry no. on it's you know Let's be joyful. Yeah. Let's look back and be grateful for the time that we had. Let's find you know. joy in the future. And that's kind of the magic. You have a different mm-hmm. approach than a lot of people do. And and people have commented yeah. on that.
1: Yeah, a lot. Yes, it was actually, I just had goosebumps when you asked me that because it brought so much back to me, you know, um, rob and i had a couple of talks about this what if as you do as a couple you know you would have come home from work they might have heard something on the radio and we had these chats um what if something was ever to happen to you or me and we always said i'd want you to take the boys and create the happiest life possible you know because that's what love is love is not i want you to cry for the rest of your life and fall apart love is i want you to be happy no matter what and that includes such tragedy that no matter what i want you to be happy and I would have wanted the exact same for him because that's what love is, you know. So that's how I addressed life literally from the first moment onwards. It was almost like something had switched on within me instantly. And I still remember that moment of vividly when I got that phone call. I just sunk to the bottom of the floor and I sat there and I felt like, as I said, you know, the world had stood still and uh, and then something clicked and I kicked into what I call functioning mode. I literally just did what I felt I had to do. And obviously the first thing I had to do was I needed to share those news with the boys. And that was definitely the hardest part of the entire journey. Even Mm -hmm. looking back, even all the years after, even the weeks and months after, um, that was the hardest part, having to tell the boys, you know. And I had no time to prepare. They were sitting downstairs in a living room. They had their have keto uniform on because they were doing martial arts at the time they were ready to go to training and and then that phone call came you know and uh i had literally those three to five seconds to prepare when i walked downstairs to the living room and i sat with them and i shared the news there's no sugar coating i literally had to say it straight out and in those couple of seconds that i had i expected tears of course no questions asked you know but i didn't expect the screaming and that really pierced through me that that screaming them falling apart <sighs> oh, i can't believe how many emotions that still brings back now when i talk about it but it was really uh um, yeah that's really intense so there was a lot of hugging and crying together and um and then the next thing was i i said pack your things we're going to nana no, nana no, no, no. i just knew that i had to tell his parents myself there's no way that i wanted them to hear the news over the phone and they live about 34 uh, 35 40 minutes away so i thought no we're going and we did so i delivered the news and and then i watched the same thing happen again i told his mum because his dad was in the shower and then i heard her say it to him behind the door because it was such a thin door and then he screamed and fell apart and that was just so intense you know and i felt so horrible for the boys to have to live through that as well and and from there onwards, like literally from the second I told them, my only worry was my voice. That was my only worry and my only um, focus. And that was why I found it relatively easy. And I really highlight the word relative um, to put my focus on happiness and love. And how can I create a life as as light and as full of love as possible for them. And that's my main focus from day dot, like literally from day dot. And it was definitely not easy the first few days, few weeks, but the more I focused on that, the easier it came to me, if that makes sense. It really, like whatever you focus on, you know, grows. And that was amazing, amazing watching that and also how people responded to that.
0: I love that. Whatever you focus on grows. I think that's so important. And I love, I want to go back just quickly to your conversation that you had with Rob and how you wanted each other to be happy. And that yeah. is your way of expressing love. And I oh. appreciate that so much. There are people who feel like love means that I can never be happy without you. Yeah. Love Why means I if, if, I, if I have a happy day, if I ever smile again, and I am betraying this person yeah. that I love, yeah. that I have exactly. lost, because that is the way that they interpret the uh, expression of love. And, yeah. and they mean it from the depths of their heart. I want yeah. to express my love for this person. But I am sure that, that their loved one wouldn't want that kind of a response, uh. because if they love you, they want you to be happy yeah and joyful absolutely and so yeah. I just really appreciate that you were smart enough to have already had yeah. a conversation and to predetermined said you know we want to yeah. be happy we want to be happy so when did you recognize that what your response was was special and unique yeah. and something that other people really needed to hear
1: First of all, thank you so much for pointing that out, Linda, because I feel that, yeah, this is what society unfortunately has taught us and I am here to prove society wrong seriously and it's not about being right or wrong, but it's about uh, providing a different approach to grief and we can all have that. So I often say just imagine uh, your loved one still being around. Would you want to honour them and, and portray the love that you have for the person by being horribly sad the entire time when you're not with them or do you still rave about them? And I'm talking like they might be in the next room or on a business trip or somewhere else. You wouldn't run around crying because he's not next to you. You'd be talking about them fondly and full of love. And why don't you do that when they're gone forever? Why? I, I understand why a lot of people would go like, well, because I never see them again, I get that. But my most beautiful way of honoring him is to talk about him with love and have this love legacy for him so by that i realized um when people looked at me and they saw me too happy under huge quotation marks too soon under huge quotation marks um i would get comments or sometimes hear them behind my back going like oh she's still in denial or she's still in shock and i'm like no i'm not i'm not in shock i'm not in denial of course i was shocked don't get me wrong but i didn't get stuck there i sorted as an initiator of what I needed to do. I'm like, this is your clue. This is your clue. That's exactly what you talked about. And this is now not theory anymore. This has become your reality. So that one change of thing. I still want to grab the boys and create the happiest life possible that I can, that I can for the three of us. And I did that and I saw uh, some people frown about it. Some people are really happy for me. Some people, as I said, said, oh, she's still in denial. And then they come with the five stages of grief, which is, um, not, has not ever been intended for, uh, people who have died. The five stages of grief are always intended for terminally ill people. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people oh, didn't talk about, about the stages of grief and there's denial and there's shock and there's anger and all that. I never felt angry. I never felt I was in denial. And it made sense when I only heard it like a year or two later that somebody said to me, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler ross who's the origin of that, um, she wrote that for terminally ill people, not for people who have passed. And that made so much sense to me. I'm like, yeah, of course, there would be the denial, there would be the bargaining, there would be anger. And it makes so much more sense, you know, because not everybody is at peace with going. And uh, yeah, so when I noticed that, um I remember I had a nervous breakdown about a week after Rob passed and I remember that everything just got too much for me because, you know, there was so much that had been going on. We had to fly to the other side of the planet, sorry, the other side of the continent, but come back and prepare the funeral. My mom was flying over from Austria because she was supposed to come. Her flight was already booked for the Holy Communion of our little one. And I just couldn't believe the timing, you know, that her flights were already booked, but then she came for the funeral instead. And, um, and then about a week after, you know, when the, when the funeral was done on Wednesday and then on Sunday, we had the Holy Communion, both in one week. I was overwhelmed and I was really, I just had too much on my plate, as you can imagine. And I had a nervous breakdown in my kitchen. I remember, um, the boys were, you know, pickering over brushing the teeth and I, said, guys, please, can you just please be nice to each other? And and then I started yelling out to them. I just need peace and quiet, you know. And the moment I said this sentence, it was like a key sentence. It was like a valve had opened and I couldn't close it anymore. And I still remember it so vividly because I started saying this sentence louder and louder and then I started yelling it and then I started screaming it. I started screaming it on top of my lungs. I just need peace and quiet and then I just screamed pitch tone I just screamed and I was whacking kitchen cupboards I completely lost it and I still remember watching myself as if I was standing outside going like what are you doing just stop it what are you doing I really thought I'm going to lose my mind in that moment and I I remember thinking the neighbours are either going to call the police or an ambulance in a minute if they hear you know all of that was going through my mind while I watched myself falling apart and I could not stop it and that was the trigger for me to go and see a psychologist. And I saw a psychologist for about uh, a positive psychologist, very, very important difference for about four months. And that was incredible. It was really incredible. And she asked me, and that was an absolute key moment for everything else we'll talk about. She asked me, um, you know, when I talked about this nervous breakdown, I said, it's just all this expectation, what people expect from me. I, I broke under the expectation from people. If people would have just left me to my way of grieving, I think things would have been gone very differently, but I was breaking under the expectation I could feel that it was too much for me. And she looked at me and said, So what does grief mean to you, Marie? And her calm is really just completely it just oozed into me. And I looked at her to my own surprise. I said, Empowerment. And, and that was a really Unexpected response. And that's when I realized that I saw grief very differently to people around me and anyone that I've ever known about being in that situation.
0: Yeah, I I would not have expected that word, and I'm excited to talk about it, but I want to go back just a little bit. Some of the things that you brought up that I absolutely love, and I'm so glad that you were willing to share, is that moment of breaking down. And as you're talking to people and saying, there is life, there is joy after loss, that some people might think, well, then that means if I'm to do it right, like Marie did it right, then I'm never allowed to fall apart or I'm never allowed to be sad. And that's not what you're saying at all. It is going through that process, and you mentioned that the the five stages of grief doesn't necessarily need to happen, but there's still a process of grief, and that that is absolutely okay. And Mm. that you recognized, I can't stay in this place, I feel this way, but I can't stay here, and you were smart enough, I'm glad, Mm. smart enough to go talk to someone who could help Mm. you get out. So just such Beautiful pattern of yes, it's okay to be sad. Yes, it's okay to work through things. Yes, it's okay to get someone to help, someone who can walk you through. And then you, just your self awareness of what does grief mean to me? Empowerment. Can you elaborate on that? Because I would never have come up with that word.
1: If you would have asked me consciously, me neither. It literally came from subconscious and. I believe the reason why that came up was because I felt two things were really predominant after what passed. One was strength and one was love. I felt so much strength and so much love within that I have never experienced in my entire life before. Same. And I always say it it almost felt like Rob poured all of his love and his strength into me when he passed over. That's what it felt like. And um, and I strongly believe that's exactly what happened. You know, I, uh, I understand that everyone has got a very different beliefs and a different faith, and I really honor that. I really, really honor that everybody comes from a very different perspective around that and different upbringing. Yet my belief is that Rob and I had a soul contract And that was over, but it took me a while to get to that. It was not that I got that far, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks, the soul contract is over and hang up. That's not at all how it works. It was that process that you mentioned, you know, going through my process, allowing all of the emotion in, not stopping the crying, not stopping the falling apart, but also not stopping the love and the happiness and the joy. And all of that happens because all of that is part of life. And life doesn't stop just because somebody else's life stops, and that's a big lesson here, you know. Our life still continued. And why would why on earth would I say, well, Rob's life has stopped, so now we need to cancel out all the happy emotions—they are not allowed in anymore. Why? It doesn't make sense, you know. That's exactly what Rob would want for us more than anything in the world. So. Yeah, my biggest message in this was to not stop any of the emotion, to allow it all in, to sit with it, but also remind yourself of the choices that we have, you know. People often say to me, what do you mean by that? I didn't choose that my husband passed. I'm like, well, on a soul level, you maybe did, but let's just put that completely aside for now because everybody's got a different faith. But even if you don't choose that, you can still choose how you respond to it, and that's where your empowerment lies, reminding yourself yourself of the choices you do have, how you live your life, how you respond to it, who you allow in to hold space for you and support you. And that's really important to remember that.
0: What a beautiful, beautiful reminder. We don't get to choose what happens, but we do get to choose our responses. And that's a power that we always have. What a lovely, lovely thing. Thank you. Would you be willing to share your seven-step grief? to relief um program oh wow how do you get there
1: sure absolutely so uh, i hope i remember them all i wasn't prepared for that question but i'm more than happy to go into that so um the from grief to relief is a healing journey that i created and refined over the years and it's also available for free in my group so people can always join and watch that there are videos that come with it but i'll give you the nutshell version so the first step for me was to separate who you have lost from what you have lost so in other terms it's like often people just look at it as a package i've lost Rob, and with that my feeling of loved being loved feeling safe and all of that has gone well not quite so i need to look at what is it that i miss the most so that's how it helps me to separate who i've lost from what i've lost and for me there were examples like feeling safe uh, safe, you know like uh, feeling protected Rob was my absolute protector he was my knight in shining armor I always felt safe when he was around and uh, that was gone so I really noticed that quite strongly I used to be really scared in the dark and I never was with Rob so that was a huge difference for me also like he used to love cooking for us he was my own personal master chef i always said i was very very blessed that he was really good at cooking um you know i'm when you look at the five love languages is from dr gary chapman absolute fantastic i really recommend for everyone to do that um it explains a lot about dynamics not just between couples but also within the family and i my top two were physical touch and quality time so that physical touch means i'm a hugger i just need hugs i just need somebody I need to feel it physically. Uh, You can ask all my friends. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a hugger. I just love hugging people. And that was the one. So these are just some of the examples to separate, you know, what I have lost with Rob's passing. And the second step is to then see how, how can you recreate that? And I always make a huge point about this is not about replacing someone Mm, or something in your life. It's about recreating it or creating it in your life in different ways it's not ever going to replace it uh, having a friend is not ever going to replace having rob however it will fill your love tank as dr gary tapman refers to it it will make you feel more loved i did things like one of the first things i did was i pushed my bed into the corner i felt more cradled in and safer rather than having you know space on either side i wanted to sleep in the corner and be cradled in um i used to go around and check that the front and the back door is locked although we live in a really safe neighborhood but you know little things like that what can you do to feel safer to feel more love to feel the hugs through all these things whatever that is to you just go through that and see how you can create that for your life because it will fill that up a little bit more it will not completely replace it at all and uh but it's about not leaving this gaping hole there that a lot of people talk about. You know, it leaves this hole behind, and you can fill that with love and with hugs and with feeling safe. And no, it will not replace that person at all. But it's important to look after that and to take on uh, the responsibility and step back into empowerment by doing these things. The third step for me is something i'll try to make this really short because there's a long story attached to that but i call it the hall and the hill experience and that comes from an experience uh when i uh, when Rob passed uh then i wrote a book about it then i traveled around the world with the boys for two months and then we came home so i'm talking about a time frame of nine months and after nine months the boys went back to school and all of a sudden i found myself in a living room with no plans I had everything planned for these nine months, every step of the way from the funeral to releasing the book to travelling around the world, coming back. And all of a sudden I sat there without any plan and I didn't realise. And I felt that there was this gaping hole opening up to my right that I would say people would probably describe as depression. And then there was this little hill of new memories that I had created after Rob's passing that I felt I had no strength left to climb up. But I also knew I didn't want to slide down into that hole. So that's why I call it the hole in the hill experience because I realized I can stay in the middle and simply observe. I don't need to do anything. I don't want to move to the right just so I wouldn't slip into this hole because I was worried that I might not get back out. And I can't can't climb on this little hill because I don't have any strength left. So that's why I call it my hole in the hill experience because I described it in a lot more detail. And this is where I learned to just sit and observe. When times are really tough and you feel you've got nothing left to act, just sit and observe. It's okay. And be mindful of what you're thinking, what your thought process is. That's the fourth step. Uh, Thought patterns and language. Be mindful of how you talk, not just to others, but predominantly to yourself. You know, Are you having thoughts like, it's too hard, I can't do this, I don't want to get out of bed? Or can you... Change that language into just one step at a time, Marie. Just one little step. Just the next minute. Just take one breath. I'm not asking you to, you know, gallop off into the wild and and do like a three hour yoga session. I'm saying just take one breath. You know that can make such a huge difference in terms of bringing you back into the now. Um, and then we talk about. Um, Guilt, secondary gain and forgiveness, this is a really big one, like guilt, you know, is an emotion that a lot of people struggle with and we talk about that at the beginning so I'm not going to go into too much detail again, like, but also the secondary gain. If you do stay stuck in grief or in guilt or in pain or in suffering, what do you get out of it? And people go, like, I don't get anything out of it, I don't like it. But cultures refer to that as the secondary gain. Because people do get something out of it. Something. Sometimes it's the simple fact, uh, not having to do anything, not taking on the responsibility, feeling safer in the suffering than having to bring up the strength to do something about it. Do you know what I mean? So there's always yes. a secondary gain, even if it's that simple. And then the forgiveness part. Very often with somebody passing, there there is some sort of. Um, needs for forgiveness coming up and uh again i'm just going to shortcut it and leave it there for now because there's so much to talk about um then i hope i'm not forgetting something there there's two more steps uh i've actually just written them down yesterday i know that one is the role reversal but that's the final step i think i'm missing one Uh, it might come back to me but the, the one thing that i really love about um This whole exercise is, and that's why I leave that to the very last, is the step that I call the raw reversal. And this is, so many people say, just write a letter to your loved one, but that's not what it's about. I call it the letter. The letter is so important because I get people to do it from a different perspective. I ask them to step into the perspective of the loved one who has passed and then look at themselves and write a letter from your loved one to you what is it that you feel your loved one would want to say to you right now and often it starts like something like linda i am so proud of you with what you have done since i've gone you know and this is really one of the most healing exercises that people do in this and it's just really incredible looking at um yeah what comes out of it that's, I can cheat and quickly yeah. look up the extra step if you want to.
0: Oh yeah, we're all we're all open to. This is an open book quiz, Marie.
1: Perfect. I um because I know I've got it open in the background because I literally just wrote about that in my second book. And oh yeah, it's hidden gifts. Oh how could I have forgotten that? One of my favorites. It was That's hidden. Just, uh, the sixth, uh, the sixth step is the hidden gifts, and I refer to them as hidden gifts in adversity. And that is when you really allow yourself to look at what have you actually received as gifts since your loved one's passing and for me that was an enormous strength an enormous positivity and all the love that i felt and i felt so looked after and then of course what came out of it you know sharing our story in a book being ranked in the top 100 and then creating this global movement there are so many gifts in that and It is not just for us, but it's like a ripple effect that we are creating in the world right now. And uh, just being here with you is one of the many gifts that I have received, you know, being able to share my message and being offered various platforms to do so. So thank you for that gift, Linda. This is really amazing.
0: This is a win-win gift to be able to share your story and to be able to hear and to learn from you. And I thank you. For digging up these hidden gifts and paying it forward. And you and I are on opposite sides of the planet. So you have gone full circle and beyond. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just really, I appreciate you. I appreciate what you've done because your example gives other people permission to follow suit and to be able to recognize that there's a new pattern, a better pattern than just suffering or enduring or coping but instead it is let's heal and let's Mm. move forward and grow and you have done just such amazing things so thank you for what you've done and for who you have become
1: thank you thank you so much i really i feel so seen and honored thank
0: you oh and thanks for visiting with me today you're amazing
1: Oh, it is my absolute pleasure. And I want to say one last thing quickly, if that's okay. Of course. It is also that, you know, people often feel like they don't know how to do the healing and they focus on how can I do the healing. And I always say don't focus on the healing. Focus on the love, on the happiness and everything you want in life. The healing is what happens along the way, you know, and if you're open to it and allow that, um, then that's amazing. That's exactly what's going to happen.
0: What a beautiful clarification. Focus on the love, and that's Mm -hmm. what makes the difference. Okay, I feel enlightened. Thank Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) Thank you. In closing, I'd like to share a quote from the Persian poet Jalal al-Din Muhammad Rumi. He said, "Grief can be the garden of compassion. If you keep your heart open through everything, your pain can become your greatest ally in your life's search for love and wisdom." If you have experienced loss, I invite you to allow your grief to become a garden of compassion and allow happiness and love back into your life. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org.